listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. This show is about commercial art, making a good living, and making great art. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can find my work at Andy J. Pizza on Instagram or even in the real online world at andyj.pizza. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's the truth. Thanks to our syndicate, Illustration Age. You can find the show at illustrationage.com slash talk. Let's jump into the show, shall we? I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him, like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, AndyJPizza.com, if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Ushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. So in this episode, this is actually a live talk that I did in Baton Rouge. The AAF, the uh, American Advertising Federation chapter in Baton Rouge, Louisiana took me down and uh, I got to eat some sweet Southern food. It was fantastic. We had a really, really great time. They were completely lovely. And I got to deliver this talk, which I am super, super excited to share with the Creative Pep Talk audience because I worked really hard on it. I had some, you know, I I wanted to deliver a talk about my work and about um, kind of, I I was looking back uh, and trying to find what kind of lessons that I really wanted to share, what things that um, looking back through the past 10 years what what were the big lessons what were the big takeaways and I had a pretty significant breakthrough um, and you're gonna hear that in the talk and and this idea that kind of just blew me away this idea that your your biggest opportunities for creativity 
are the biggest obstacles you face and that's why creatives never have an excuse not to be making um, great work and I think you're gonna like it I had a super good time it was really really fun a big shout out to Chet Tucker from Tuck and Roll Media for hooking me up with the audio and doing the video for the event you can find his work at Tuck hyphen in hyphen roll.com tuck and roll uh you can find all of his uh, great work thanks for hooking this up chat really appreciate it super nice to meet you uh thanks for all the work you did to make this happen big shout out and thanks to the aaf chapter in baton rouge you guys were awesome um i had such a blast meeting you you showed so much of that classic southern hospitality and i hope that i get to come back okay without further ado here is the talk today we have andy miller from andy miller Creed. <laughs> andy miller he has his own company same name and he has a podcast he's gonna tell you all about it all i'm here to do is embarrass him with one of his fun facts oh good Andy Miller. He memorized and performed the dance from Napoleon Dynamite at his high school talent show before the movie was even on wide release. So most of the, his high school thought he was Napoleon. True story. Okay. Andy Miller. All right. I had to uh, download the movie on LimeWire to get that done. So don't tell the FBI. Uh, hi. I am super happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Can you hear me all right? My, all right, projecting. Um, I've never been to the South, like ever. I did a talk in Kentucky, though, and they said they were the South, but they're not. Um, so anyway, I'm getting fatter, and that's great. It was, we had a really good meal last night. Um, I'm going to actually, I think, try this. Sorry. All right. Um, I need freedom of the controls. So that's me. I look like a miniature person with a regular <laughs> cup of coffee. Um, I actually have to uh, exit this, I think. Um, don't look. This is Teresa's personal computer. Uh, all right. Um, so most people call me Andy J. Pizza now. I don't really, it's really. I don't really know how that happened, but anyway, I just went with it. So I'm Andy J. Pizza. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Andy J. Pizza. And actually, because it's the future, we don't have like flying cars, but what we do have are domain names that end in .pizza. So you can find my work at AndyJ.pizza, for real. Um, if you go there, you're going to find this. This is my illustration portfolio. Uh, uh, I'm not going to go super deep into like every piece that I ever made and all that kind of jazz um, and try to convince you that I'm really good at making pictures. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Uh, I will just say that I've done some work for uh, clients like Google and Nickelodeon. And then recently, I finally achieved my all-time dream and worked with, if you look up there, hefty trash bags. <laughs> so... Go ahead, it's fine. You can. I oh, know it was. It was a good project. Um, this is some other recent work, band posters, and 
actually was thrilled to work with Nutella because I'm obsessed and uh, they didn't, I wish, I really would have been paid in Nutella, but they didn't do that. Um, so I also have a podcast, so I'm also a podcaster now. Uh, I, it's called Creative Pep Talk, where I give pep talks for creative people, and that's the whole story. Uh, today, if you like today, that's a good taste of the podcast. If you hate today, don't listen to my podcast. Uh, you will not enjoy it. Uh, then, the, I don't know if this was a good decision or not, but um, I also like, I'm a big fan, massive fan, of making a fool out of yourself in public. Uh, this is me at Disney World a few months ago. We'll just watch this video real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Pretty good moves. It's almost done. Uh, no professional. Let's watch it one more time. <laughs> no professional training, if you believe it. Um, the funny thing is, is like nobody stops and looks at. They're just like, yeah, it's Disney World. We know people are crazy. Um, so, okay, to the talk. Uh, I know that I told you that the, I know I told you this was going to be called Playing Hot and Cold with the Universe, which sounds epic and amazing, and it's still very similar talk, but I decided to give it a new title, uh, Obstitunities. <laughs> it doesn't have the same mystical quality, but I did put like stars and stuff around it to give it that vibe. It sounds more like... Uh, a mom blog post or something like, <laughs> but but I like it and there's a principle here that I want to talk about. Um, so, I, when I was looking back through my story, I noticed this trend that happened like over and over and over again, where there was this creative work that I wanted to be doing, which is represented by the trophy, and there was always this brick wall in the way of doing the work that I felt like I needed to be doing at any given moment, and it took some like creative problem solving to get over that wall. And I would finally get to the other side and I'd be making that creative work that I wanted to be doing, but everybody was preoccupied with the creative work that it took to get over the obstacle. And they're like, we're not really, we don't care about this other stuff you're doing. They, they wanted to go back to the thing that was kind of a compromise, kind of a haphazard way of getting over this challenge. Uh, and today I just want to talk about why I think this principle is potentially a game changer. And I think it's a game changer for me, and I hope that it's encouraging to you. Um, and I'm going to just tell a story uh, to kind of illustrate this. So when I was in high school, I went to high school in southern Indiana. And, my, and, and there wasn't, especially in my house, there wasn't a lot of culture. I would say, like, the cultural artifacts that we did have were things like one random Phil Collins CD. And then um, we had the copy of the movie Grease as well. That was most of my, I'm not dissing Grease. You guys, you guys kind of got sensitive about that one. Anyway, um, that's a good movie. Uh, but my, the cultural items in my kind of uh, purview were Joan Soda, which was really tasty. Got that from the local Kroger. Jim Carrey, I watched all of his movies lots of times. Ja Rule, holla, you know. Um, I listened to a lot of Ja Rule, I don't know. Uh, and it wasn't until I was in high school that this poster, by the way, was made by the Decoder Design Concern. They're 
phenomenal designers. Um, but it wasn't until high school that I started to kind of uh, taste some culture that really moved me. And I got into this band, Modest Mouse, and I got into indie bands, and it was the first time ever in my life that I could see kind of breadcrumbs into a future that I actually wanted to go to, because like all the normal things that normal people do, I was not fantastic at, still not. And uh, the, in, in art even, like I wasn't the best drawer, I don't know. Is that a word? I don't think it's a word, but I, you get it. I wasn't, I wasn't even the best at drawing in high school. Uh, so I just didn't really have an idea of where I wanted to go until I found this band and they had this back catalog of these amazing screen printed band posters. And it was just like blowing my mind. And for the first time I had an idea of where I, what I wanted to do in college and maybe after that. And so I wanted to go into illustration and design. Um, and uh, so I wanted to go into illustration design. And right when I graduated, my dad got transferred to a job in the UK. And so I took the opportunity to study over there, which I thought would be amazing, which in many ways it was. Uh, but the problem was I went there to screen print band posters. And that culture had yet to go there. So there was no screen printed band posters. I could literally, nobody would let me screen print onto paper. Like I would go to all of the local shops and I'd be like, I want to make these posters like on paper? Like, we, like they only did t-shirts and they just didn't even know anything about screen printing on paper. And then in the college, there was a, a screen printing department that was only for the fine art students. Uh, so they wouldn't let us, you know, grimy designers in uh, and messing with their whatever they were doing. And so I had no way. I went to college. I was stuck in England, and I couldn't do any of the work that I wanted to be doing. Uh, and it wasn't until my third year in school, which is actually the final year there, that I just thought, I'm going to force it. I'm going to figure out some way, some weird way of getting over this barrier and getting to the work that I want to be doing. And I came up with this idea. Uh, the Indie Rock Coloring Book, and honestly, I will get like truthfully, I thought it was really stupid. Uh, I thought it was a dumb idea. I thought it was just a compromise way of getting to work with these bands that I was so obsessed with, and maybe it would somehow shoehorn into doing the work that I really wanted to do. Uh, and so, I I want to take a, just a quick minute. I always do this anytime I have a chance, uh, and I have a place in the public view to publicly apologize. Um, so if I do the math right, that was 2009. And I really do think that I may have started the onslaught of adult coloring books. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> Either you're welcome or sorry. I don't know. One of those two. Um, but back to the story. The thing is, is that when I was looking back and I was preparing for this talk, I kind of noticed that you know, the Indie Rock Coloring Book launched my career in a way that doing more band posters never would have. And I think that you know, when, when the coloring book came out, Chronicle Books published it in 2009. It, it was on E's morning show. Like it was in the USA Today 
gift guide for the year. Just like crazy random stuff that if I had been able to make screen printed band posters, they never would have had that reach. Uh, and so this thing that I thought was just a complete compromise, a way of getting to where I wanted to go, was really a bigger creative opportunity than if I could just do what I wanted to. So I think that if I say Matisse, I'm assuming most of you are going to think of his uh, cut paper work, right? Uh, that might be because I incepted that idea into your brain with this slide. Um, but but I'm, I'm assuming, like, you know, I'm a massive fan of his cut paper work. And that came from not a massive breakthrough where all the planets aligned and he just, it came to and it was this amazing moment. It was really a an obstacle that became an opportunity because he was oil painting and it wasn't until he was uh, severely ill and bedridden that he started doing this cut paperwork because it's all that he could do. So he, he used that obstacle as a real opportunity for breakthrough. And we probably are talking about him today because of that work. So this is why I'm talking about this today. I, I genuinely believe that, you know, I work with tons of creative people. I, I do an online class. I used to teach at an art school. And I run into people all the time that refuse to be honest about the work that they really would like to be doing or what really gets them out of bed in the morning, what they're passionate about. And they always have, you know, 50 reasons why it's impossible for them to do that work. There's always an excuse, there's always an obstacle, and today my whole point is that maybe that could be a good thing. What? What am I, <laughs> what's he talking about? Uh, I'll tell you. Um, I think that creativity is connecting the unconnected. I think that's my favorite definition of creativity. It's the idea that if you can draw a line between two dots that seem contradictory, that's creativity. That's the definition of it. It's like seeing a path where no one else saw a path. That's being creative. And I think if there's a paved road, somebody's already been there. If the work that you want to be do, doing is incredibly easy to do, if there's uh, a major and 65,000 tutorials online and you know grants and all kinds. It's just the easiest thing in the world to do. People have already done it. It's already been done. It's not left for that creative opportunity. Um, and so I want to just talk a little bit about the biggest uh, obst obstacle in my life that I've had to overcome. Uh, I'm still, it's a work in progress. Uh, and I want to start by allowing you all to appreciate the beauty that is the equilateral triangle. Now, I know that when I put that up there, you guys instantly saw that triangle, like equilateral triangle, because we get so much practice on a daily basis of identifying the various types of triangles as it pertains to our very survival, right? <laughs> Hope there's no math teachers in here. Um, but <laughs> when I would be in geometry class, looking at the equilateral triangle, I wasn't thinking, hmm, 60 degrees on every point. I was thinking, hmm, 
pizza. That, that's my favorite triangle. Uh, it's the most delicious one, for sure. And when I would be doing my timed times table tests, like you can barely say that in the amount of time they would give you to do the tests. You know, and I'm sure you guys see all this and you instantly work out this, these equations. And I could do that, but we don't have time up here right now. Uh, that's not the talk. So, um, <laughs> but when I would do these and I would sit down and they would be like, all right, go. I would have this other thing happening where I'd be looking at the numbers and they would start to have like personalities and stories. And I would, and number one, you know, not much of a personality. He's just been born. He's not really that self-actualized. Number four, starting to get some hobbies. He's, you know, he's into football. Three's jealous of four because of the hobbies. There's a lot of drama between those siblings. Uh, seven is like not too old, not too young, pretty cool. Like, what am I talking about right now? Is anybody asking that? <laughs> What's happening? Uh, but you can see that like with all that drama going on, it's incredibly difficult to finish your test. Uh, and so if you haven't gathered, I have ADHD. Uh, <laughs> um, these are some of the things that you get labeled when you have ADHD. And uh, they were all true to some degree, for sure. Distracted, unproductive, hyper, talkative. I remember like when I was in school, several teachers who had no connections to each other all came up with this on their own, that tomorrow, Andy, you are not talking. Zero. Don't open your mouth. Now, the funny thing is, though, is that they didn't know that I was already mastering the ancient art of obstetunity. And uh, the, I was more expressive on the days I couldn't talk than any other day. I was doing hand gestures and all kinds of stuff. They never gave me that punishment again. Uh, and so uh, for me, my whole life has been, you know, because I, to be honest, like my mom has ADHD and that was a really a challenging thing and it made it challenging for her to be a regular adult. Um, and that affected her parenting. And I remember just watching her and thinking like, I don't want to do that. I want to do, I want to do better than that. But I also knew that I was just like her. And so even from an early age, I knew that it was a real obstacle and it still is a real obstacle. Um, but I, I've taken a different path. I'm a freelance illustrator. It's kind of a different approach to being a person. Uh, and uh, all of these things, uh, all the things that they would call me, all these weaknesses, these obstacles, turned into opportunities because I wasn't distracted. I was creative. And I wasn't unproductive. I was a multitasker. I'm such a multitasker that sometimes I'm getting stuff done that doesn't need to get done. <laughs> And then there's other stuff that needs to get done that doesn't. But, but I'm really energetic, and, uh, and I'm not talkative. I'm a podcaster. So eat that, Mrs. Curry. I'm getting paid to talk. All right? Yes. Um, actually, I'm, if Mrs. Curry is watching this, I'm sorry. I loved you. You are a great teacher. Uh, there's another story that I think illustrates this idea of overcoming your personal obstacles to do the work that you want to be doing. Uh, because I think, you know, from all the people I've worked with, 
people have these stories that they tell themselves or labels that they've been given that convince them that they'll never be able to do the things that maybe they really like to do. Uh, and I think this story is one of my favorite examples of that. So there was a guy uh, named Alexander Fleming, and he was this lab technician, and he was kind of notorious for being a mess, kind of being a disaster, messy lab, didn't clean up after himself. You know, I imagine these stories like Bob, the other lab technician, coming along and be like, damn it, come on, like, get the Petri dishes out of the sink. You're never going to have a scientific breakthrough if you keep your lab in this disarray. Uh, come on, Alex. And he's upset, you know, goes home that night like, Bob's right. Like, I'm never going to, how am I ever, I went into the wrong profession. What am I doing? He's like, I need to just, I think I just need some time off. I need to take a breather, step away, get some headspace, um, and then come back afresh. And he, he did it with such uh, swiftness that he didn't even clean up his lab. He just left it. And then weeks later when he came back, growing in the Petri dish, uh, with the disease that he was studying was penicillin. And it was the first uh, antibiotic that was discovered. And I just love that story, this idea that this real shortcoming turns into saving millions of people's lives. And you can also use that, I think, in your own life, where if you're messy, I'm a little bit messy, and be like, you don't know whose life I might be saving. Like, let's just, <laughs> let's see what happens. Give it a few weeks. Uh, and so we take a leaf from the book of the great Michael Scott. Any Michael Scott fans? Yes, me too. That, and it's from The Office, if you don't know. And um, he goes into his job interview at corporate with David Wallace. And David Wallace says, Michael, what are your weaknesses? And Michael says, I uh, work too hard. I care too much. And, I'm, and sometimes I'm too invested in my job. And he's like, okay, uh, what are your strengths? He's like, I just told you. Uh, so what could grow on your shortcomings, these things that you've convinced yourself are the things that stop you from doing the things that you really want to be doing? The obstacle that stops you from doing it their way might just be the reason you do it in a way that's never been done. How? Okay, Andy, nice stories. They were cute. Um, but how do you actually do it? This is my practical step-by-step -step process. Number one is get honest. Lots of times when I'm working with people, they won't even, they won't even admit the work that they want to do. They won't even be honest with themselves about the work they want to do. And I think it's actually pretty helpful to ask yourself if money, time, talent and luck weren't an issue, if they weren't on the table, if those weren't obstacles in the way, what would you want to do? What work would you want to be doing? Uh, and then step two is do the exact opposite of that. Name the obstacles. Get honest about the other side. Like, What are the things that are legitimately in the way of stopping you from doing the creative work that you want to be doing? And then number three is take that obstacle and use your excuse. Uh, I like that. Uh, and I don't mean just use your excuse and run away from the work. I mean literally take that obstacle and turn it into the opportunity to do an actual 
creative act. So if there's a brick wall, paint your best mural on it. Use it as a substrate. Mountain, sculpture. Water, you can engineer a bridge. Is that what you do? I don't know the verb on what to do to a bridge, but you can make a, you can make a great bridge. Uh, all right. Um, this is one of my favorite examples of opportunity. Does any, is anybody counting how many times I say that? I'd love to know. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll go back through the tapes. Um, so uh, this is my wife Sophie's work uh, from when she was in college. She was a fine art embroiderer, and she made these really elaborate, uh, time-intensive, beautiful pieces of fine art, uh, and they were just phenomenal. And it was actually one of the reasons I fell in love with her, as I loved her work so much. Um, and when we started to get serious, and I mean like we just started talking about our future, uh, we, she told me that she loved the embroidery, but her real dream was to have lots of kids and be a mom, and she just was really looking forward to that uh, season of her life, and so we did. We had 14 children. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, we had three children, which is still a ton. Uh, so many children. Um, and uh, she loves being a mom. It has definitely fulfilled her in all kinds of different ways. But you know, a few years into it, she realized, if she was honest with herself, that there was a creative itch that she really was desperate to scratch. And she knew also that she couldn't go back to doing that time-intensive uh, work. Sorry. Uh, um, she couldn't go back to doing that embroidered, time-intensive, paint everywhere, working for hours and hours and hours on these projects. It was not realistic uh, to do that and raise kids at the same time. And so she literally used that obstacle as an opportunity. She used being a mom as inspiration and created these absolutely beautiful animal ear headbands. And I can, I can honestly say, I do truly believe that they're the best animal ear headbands in the world. Uh, they're gorgeous, they're high quality, and you can buy them for $10.99. No. Um, well, if you want to see them, <laughs> you can follow her at the Thread House uh, on Instagram. But she sold thousands of these things. And it's probably, in a lot of ways, success that she would never have tasted if she just followed the same path, if the path was easy to make that creative work. She would be still doing the embroidered work. And so it was really uh, a complete uh, breakthrough. And I know because I have all of these things. You know, things like ADHD uh, can often feel truly like a prison, like you're trapped in your own DNA, unable to break through. And I know that location sometimes can feel like that when, you know, I live in the Midwest, and I know sometimes I feel like all the actions in LA and New York and that, uh, that thing's going to mean that I can't matter in my little, you know, niche that I'm in or... Um, it could be personal decisions. It could be health. I know that all of these things can legitimately feel like being trapped. Uh, 
So I want to just talk about this guy real quick. Jesse Crimes. That cannot be his real name. Uh, he's famous for being in prison. Uh, he made this mural out of newspaper, plastic spoons, hair gel, and on federal prison bed sheets. And he would make them panel by panel and then mail them to his girlfriend. And then when he got out, he assembled the whole thing and it went viral, went all over the internet, had a massive impact. And I think in this literal prison, this literal physical obstacle with no materials, here's a guy who made an impact with a mural, probably in a way that the people that had everything going for them as mural artists would only dream of. Uh, and he's not the only one. Some of the uh, greatest creations ever came from a prison cell. We have uh, all the Arthur lore started in a prison cell. Don Quixote, classic. Lil Wayne's verse <laughs> on the remix of Drake's Light Up <laughs> was recorded in prison over the phone. And I haven't heard it, but I'm sure it's groundbreaking. <laughs> I know, if I know anything about Wheezy, I know he brings it. Uh, so just think of that. Um, and I think that great creative careers are like vaccines, that the answer is often found in the problem itself. And so I'm trying to start a new hashtag called Yes Excuses. It's a little bit more confusing. But, but, what, I mean, but what I mean is, is that it's quite possible that your excuse, the reason why you can't do it like the other guy, is the same thing that's going to make you do it your own unique way. It's the same, and, and I, I know it sounds cute, but I really do believe this. And I, and I think, like, with all the noise, there's so much stuff being put out on the internet and put out there, and, you know, it everything's been done 85,000 times, right? And I think one way to possibly get a competitive edge is to run towards those obstacles because maybe they could act as signposts to the real opportunities for a creativity. And I think the bigger the obstacle, the more creative the solution has to be. Uh, so that's all I've got. Thanks. Okay, so that's another episode. I hope you enjoyed that. I, I really, really liked being able to share one of my talks with you. I've been doing a lot more talks recently. Uh, I've booked up several in the next couple months, and I'm super excited about that. Uh, oh, man, I, <laughs> I, just wanted to, um, I just wanted to say that, like, you know, it's been a long time since I talked about why I did this, why I do this podcast. And genuinely, I do this podcast because I believe in creativity. I believe in uh, you fulfilling your creative destiny, your creative purpose. And uh, I'm so grateful that I get to do the work that I'm doing right now both with the podcast and illustration. I'm so grateful for the fact that I've spent the past 10 years 
investing in this direction and where it's taken me. And so one of the reasons I do the podcast is for people that were in my position that I was in 10 years ago or five years ago, 10 years ago, I was just kind of suspicious. I was in college, suspicious that maybe I had creative work inside of me that needed to be made, but really not, you know, not sure enough to, to give it my all. And so I do this episode to act as an encouragement, as a, a call uh, to, to the wild for those folks to say, come on, go all in. It's a tough journey, but you got to get started, get making that work right now. Uh, and then, you know, for me, seven years ago, where I'm early days in my career, struggling to uh, pay my bills and figure out how I'm gonna make a career. And there were lots of times when I was in that zone where I was genuinely scared and didn't have very much hope for my future as a dad, as a husband, as someone in a, in a career. Um, and so I do it for those people too, who are really in the trenches and need someone to cheer them on in the middle of the marathon. I understand that that moment after you get the call and you leave home and you're on the journey and it just looks like you don't know how it's gonna work out, you feel like you were called to go in this direction, but you are now really disillusioned and everything that used to make sense doesn't make sense anymore and you can't remember why you started. And I so, so get that. And uh, I think that you getting that work out of you is so important for the world. And I understand there's this valley where it just doesn't make sense and you can't see where the finish line is, where it's headed. Um, and I just use this podcast as an opportunity to help you keep the faith, keep going in this race. And then for people that are right where I am, where they feel like they're just hitting that point where they're really doing that work that's in their heart, that they're excited about, there's tons of days where you wake up and you're just too busy, you got too much stuff going on, too much personal life stuff, politics, all of this stuff coming at you. And there's so many excuses because life is so hard. There's so many excuses not to make art. And uh, I just do this podcast as a reminder that, you know, we make art because life is hard. That's not the reason we don't make art. Uh, and uh, that's my heart. And I just wanted to share that with you because um, it's easy to get all in the hustle with posting every week and you know lose sight of the vision of this thing but it really does come from the heart and you you're the this audience that has gathered this little group of pepperonis that have gathered around this podcast and rallied and just you guys have been so, so lovely. You've sent me notes. You've reviewed it on iTunes. You've tweeted about it. You've Instagrammed about it. You you put it all over the place. You've shared it with your family and friends. And you people are my people. And I love you guys so much. And, uh, you know, I want to be your cheerleader at this uh, pep rally that is life. So thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening, and I will be back next week with a fresh, steaming episode with tons of pep. Uh, but until then, do whatever you got to do to stay pepped up. <laughs>